this week's show, Bromley manager Andy Woodman on his time so far at Hayes Lane and why goalkeepers do make good managers. It just fascinates me that. I just, I just, it really does fascinate me when people say that, as if we don't understand football. <laughs> Uh, the old thing, a special breed and all of that, I've heard it all over the years. But we are really intelligent guys. And we catch up with Russell manager Jimmy Anderson, who tells us all about the club and how he hopes that their promotion will be confirmed. We're not uh, jumping at it at the minute because until it's all completely signed off, uh, it's still, you don't know what the FA can pull out and, and change their minds or whatever. So, so yeah, so we are, we are excited, yeah. Hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode of the Kent Only Podcast brought to you in association with SCSA Sports Management. There's still lots going on in our little bubble of Kent Non-League football. We've got two interviews for you this week to enjoy. Well, I certainly enjoyed them both anyway when I was recording them. As always, I'm John Phipps. This week, listen back to the start of the first episode of this show. And ever since, I've been wondering how it ever got off the ground. And on the line now is a man who I must have, I haven't really conversed with much this week. So I'm short of something to introduce him with. So let's go back to a default setting. It's all around nice man and the best co-host I could wish for. Mr. Matthew Gerrard, how are you, mate? Not bad, not bad. Yeah, it's, uh, yep, yeah. again, not much happening. Uh, weather's still pretty ropey, so, but uh, getting out and about with a dog. Um, I've had a couple of crazy events this week regarding kids and cutting myself <laughs> shaving and it wouldn't stop. But apart from that, everything's carrying on good. Yeah, no, well, the weather's been all right, actually. It's been rubbish today, but I was not here at the weekend and the weather was absolutely gorgeous. Well, because as I'm taking the dog out now, like twice a day, you do not realise oh, it's not that warm, you know? Yeah. So, so I'm waiting for that moment when I can, and to be fair, normally I live in my shorts and the shorts haven't come out of the cupboard yet. Yeah, so that's true. Not, I know it's not warm. Normally, this time last year when it was lockdown one, it was absolutely boiling. So I lived in my shorts, but no, I haven't, I haven't even got the shorts out of the cupboard yet, so... Hopefully that will go soon, but um, it's not warm at the moment. It's quite pleasant walking the dog, and as I wear my Dover Athletic jacket, get a few people talking to me, you see, what's happening about Dover? So clearly nobody's worked out if they are listeners of the Kent League podcast, is that man from Broadstairs, but a couple of people mentioned, oh, Dover, and asked how I'm getting on, so... uh, Maybe I should get a Kent Non-League podcast jacket, John, and spread the word. Um, I was actually going to ask you, funnily enough, if you'd made any uh, uh, I was dogging friends, dog friends, uh, yet since you've been walking out. So it's, it's good that people have been coming up to you and asking, and maybe we should get you a, a Kent Non-League podcast coat. That would be some some good advertising. Yeah, I was speaking to a guy, because um, he, he knew, he, he spoke to my wife about Scalacci, and he, we got, they got talking about Scalacci, and when he saw me, he said about... Uh, he come from um, not Sicily, or he came from Sicily, not Naples. And we had a conversation. Then we had a conversation about Barnet and QPR, and the conversation there as well. So um, the international Sorry. language of football has come out a couple of times. Well, so that sounds, that sounds a little say. bit like he knows a little bit about his. Uh, like he might have even listened to this podcast. Then your, your, well, your well, new friend. He did say it because I did get it wrong about Scalacci, but then he, he he swore blind that Lee Cook played for Dover. And I told him Lee Cook never played for Dover. And I did see him and he apologised after that. Excellent. Well, I don't like being proven wrong, particularly about football. So I was a bit, well, Scalacci's like done me there. But then what he said about Lee Kirk, I was like, no, no, no. This is like that politician that um, used to do <laughs> our show. No. So that is, I really do want to know. 
I was, I was proven wrong myself today. Uh, you know, one of those uh, domestic incidents where uh, something was said to be in one room and I said, no, it's not. And then I was encouraged to go back in and, and look. And uh, with much uh, chuntering, I went in and did look and indeed did find uh, said items uh, and scuttled back out of uh, room five at the very top of our building with my tail firmly between my legs. Uh, so I, I know the feeling of, of thinking you're right and being wrong only too well. But that's living with women. Yeah, uh, which, yeah exactly. Uh, we had this conversation. Yes, women. Yes. We yes. better move on, John. But we better had or else we're going to get in all sorts of strife. Listeners, so we appreciate their listening. We do, but fortunately those do not include either of our other halves. No, no, so yeah. we can get away with a little bit yeah. uh, on here. Uh, anyway, it's our 169th episode this week and possibly the dullest thing I've ever found out about a number. The IEC 169-2 connector is basically a common TV aerial lead. What a time to be alive. Uh, slightly more interesting and uh, this is actually pretty cool as number things go but 13 times 13 is 169 making 169 a square number but if you reverse those numbers it's also a sum that makes up as 31 times 31 is 961 isn't that clever that is clever those things are quite yeah, that is, i never knew that but very clever yeah 13 by 13 169 so yeah we've done well mate to get 169 well, having listened to the first one, I'm we did well to get two. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like it just sounds like it literally, you know, like now we, we talk for a couple of minutes as we are now. But literally, I just went at the first episode. I went, hello, this is John Phipps. This is the Kent Only podcast with Matt Gerard as well. The season starts on Saturday. Looking forward to it, Matt. And that was how we started the first ever show. Half the thing is about certain people might listen to the first 10 minutes and they listen to the rest of it. So yeah. I just want to listen to this for the... For the um, for the bands, really. So absolutely, fun. it's part uh, part uh, lifestyle show, part football show. But we are going to do some football stuff. Uh, there's lots going on this week, and for the first time, what seems a lifetime, we're actually going to start the show by reflecting on a match that actually happened at the very beginning. Uh, Bromley won at Halifax on Saturday to maintain their unbeaten start to life under Andy Woodman, uh, but that run came to an end on Tuesday night as they were beaten two-one at Hayes Lane by Chesterfield. So early on today, I caught up with the recently appointed Bromley boss, and I started by asking about that defeat to the Spyrites on Tuesday. Uh, it was a little disappointing result from the point of view that we've had a good run, uh, and you never want to see it come to an end. Um, but full credit to Chesterfield, look, they're they're a big big club in this division, um, with a with a very big budget. And a, and a really good team. So uh, for us to be mixing it with uh, a club of that size probably shows you how far Bromley have come in, in their space of time. So, uh, yeah, disappointing, but I think we need to keep things in perspective a little bit. It's been a fantastic start for you since you took over, though. Yeah, that's gone well. It's gone, it's gone well. Uh, can I take all the credit for that? Probably not really. You know, the lads have brought into what I've asked them to do. Um, and we're setting up, we look organised, um, and, you know, we, we, small margins have gone our way, so so all of that said and done, it, you know, it's been a good start. What was the aim when you came in? Was it to get into the playoffs? Because you, you've still definitely got a chance of that, haven't you? Um, that's a sort of a, a, yeah, it's a good question, that. Um, there's never been any pressure from, from, from the owner. Um, absolutely no, no, no pressure like that actually at all. Um, I think me being in football all my life, 
I put my own sort of pressures and demands on myself. Uh, and of course, you know, getting promoted, getting out of the division would be why we're all in it. Um, but really, it's about finding about out about the team and the players and, and, and sort of hopefully building some foundations, you know, going forward. Uh, but, but of course, yeah, I'd love to be in the playoffs and uh, be in the mix. Uh, but there's definitely been no no demands or no real sort of uh, pressures from out from 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 above. That's for sure. It's been quite a run of fixtures for you, hasn't it? You've, you've played Chesterfield twice. You've played Halifax. You've played other teams in and around the playoffs, and you've got more to come. Obviously, with with Hartlepool on Monday and and others in the and Notts County twice as well. I think it's it still is. So it certainly is a, a, a tough run of fixtures. So the fact that Bromley have been playing so well, you, you've got to be pleased. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, look, it, it, at this stage of the season, I always think they're all always tough. Whether you look at the top half or the bottom half, they're always, you know, and I know no one can go down this year, so it's a little bit different, but I always think this is the business end of the season. Uh, so whether you're, you know, whoever you're playing, it's going to be a tough game. Um, and there's people playing for their livelihoods as well. You know, that's the other factor. You know, there's a lot of... A lot of these footballers are playing for their next contract, which I'm only too aware of when I when I played at this level. So, um, yeah, they're all tough. Um, and everyone's got to play everyone. And I've said to the, the guys all the way, you know, since I've been here, there'll be bumps in the road. Um, and uh, it's how we cope with those bumps in the road. And uh, if we if we play like we did yesterday, the same sort of spirit and desire, um, we'll, we'll give ourselves a good chance against anybody. What was it about Bromley that made you think that the time was right for you to step into management? Um, well, I, I think uh, everyone that's coached or is coaching uh, at any level always has a desire to manage. Um, and I've been, you know, fortunate enough to work with some really good managers, uh, uh, you know, at the highest level, you know, premiership level. So the opportunity uh, was, was put to me and... Um, and I just, I just thought, well, look, it's now or never, really, that I do this. Um, and I just felt it was the right time for me as a, as, as someone that's been in football. I felt that I've earned my stripes. Uh, I've seen one or two comments from people saying a bit strange decision and a goalkeeper being a coach. Well, I, I must remind people that I've been in this business now for 35 years. So I think I have learned one or two things on route. Um, and the people that have made those comments haven't even coached at any level. So it's kind of fascinating me hearing those comments, which I haven't sort of got too stressed up about. Um, but yeah, of course, why, why wouldn't you want to be a, a manager of Bromley? It's, it's a club on the up. It's, uh, it's got a, a, an owner that's very ambitious, um, but, but sensibly ambitious. Um, and, and it's a good place, you know, so it, it all sort of fitted for me. Uh, and and, it's, and that said, it's, a, it's been a real privilege to be Bromley's manager. I'm really, you know, really honoured to, to, to have this uh, position. You touched on it there, actually, and people do say goalkeepers don't make good managers, but I was looking at this <laughs> from that point of view, and I was thinking, surely being a goalkeeper, you've had the best view of everything for years. Well, it just fascinates me that. I just, I just, it really does fascinate me when people say that, as if we don't understand football. <laughs> Or, or we you are a special breed, to be fair, aren't you, goalkeepers? <laughs> <laughs> but we're not thick, you know. That, that's the bit that makes me laugh. We are, we're not, you know, uh, the old thing, a special breed and all of that. I've heard it all over the years. <laughs> but we are quite intelligent guys. Um, so, you know, I, I, I heard some guy on Sky when I'd done my first game 
uh, you know, I think he's a, I think he's a coach of an under twelve team somewhere. I can't remember where. Someone told me, and it fascinated me. I was like, well, this guy's having an opinion about me, and I've been in the Premiership working with some of the best managers this country's seen. Um, and you're questioning me why I've done this and you've not even done anything, you know. So that, that bit just fascinates me. And I listen to these people. And I know they've got a job to do and they've got to talk. But some of the stuff they come out with just really makes me laugh. Um, and it's kind of funny enough, I haven't heard too many of the comments since we started winning games. So long may it continue. Maybe, maybe hopefully I could be a trailblazer for more goalkeepers to become managers. <laughs> You said probably you've got an ambitious owner, and and I don't think it's any or won't be any surprise that the end game is to get Bromley Football Club into the football league. And I guess we've seen the ambition, we've seen the good players coming in, and the club just seems so well set up to really make the step up. Yeah, I think I think yeah, he's an ambitious uh, an ambitious owner. But you know, I must say he's a he's a. He's not, he's not an emotional owner, which is really great news for me. Um, he, he's got a process. Um, he's shared the process with me. And, and look, it's about building these foundations. And this club, since he's, been come, you know, since he's come in, has, has been really had some solid foundations put in place. And it's about adding to those foundations. Am I promising a quick fix? No, not at all. Uh, and, I, and I don't think he's even expecting that. But what he is expecting is... Um, you know, the levels that I've worked at and the professionalism I've worked at to be brought and implemented into this club. Now, if you bring that into a club like Bromley and then you add the players to it, you're, you're already going to be, you know, uh, better off than you were. So, you know, if we can start making those steps forward, who knows where it can lead us? Um, and of course, everyone wants to be in the league that's in non-league. And you look at the clubs that are in, you know, in and around the playoff positions at the moment. You know, there's some big ex-league clubs there that want to get back into the league. So for us at Bromley to be in that company is testament to Bromley Football Club, in my opinion. Um, so, yeah, we, we, we've got we've got an in-house plan uh, which we'll keep in-house and hopefully we can uh, we can sort of uh, adhere to our, our, our own process. Now, Matt, I'm really struggling here to think of any people who might have said on any podcasts, that goalkeepers don't make good managers. Any ideas, mate? Yeah, well, lazy journalism probably for me on that. But <laughs> to be fair, I, I really liked how he came across in that. And, he, and he's got a valid point. Though I've, I haven't been an under-12 coach or anything from that, it's very lazy. I probably got that from my dad because my dad always used to say that goalkeepers don't make good um, managers. But clearly, he... he He's a rounded coach and looking at his career of what he's done. So, and I think he's got a valid point. It's very easy to say that and dismiss goalkeepers who haven't got it. And, you know, and he said goalkeepers aren't stupid, which I probably think that's right. So, um, yeah, it's an interesting point. And I, I think he's got a point to prove. And the way he came across with you there, I think he'd come across pretty well with his players as well. Yeah, I, th- I think... You know, I, I, I wondered how it was going to go. The interview, obviously, the first time you speak to a manager is always a little bit of, uh, oh, what's going to happen? Um, but I, I just, I, you could just tell he was enjoying uh, having a conversation uh, uh, about everything that's going. And they've had a great start to his tenure. You know, I'm beaten until uh, Tuesday night. So whatever he's doing is right. And it's interesting that he said, I've not come in with any pressure on me. There's no one telling me 
that I've got to get into the playoffs this season. There's no real pressure on him at the moment. And I think everyone is reaping the benefit of that. It was interesting, looking, trying to think back why Neil Smith lost his job. Wasn't it that they did say that they didn't think they'd get in the playoffs? So I, I think it maybe it's, a, it's a, an approach to go with Woodman to look at the club and maybe move on for next season. I'm sure Bromley would be disappointed if they didn't get in the playoffs. And, you know, he's played down their chances there. But, you know, the investment in the infrastructure of Bromley is going in the right direction. And, you know, the players they've got um, is, is, a, is, a, is a way forward for it. So, yeah, I, I think he came across really well in that interview. And, and, I, and I, from now on, I, you know, New, you know, look at the Wolves goalkeeper. He, he, Wolves manager used to be a goalkeeper, didn't he? So I don't think it'll be critical, but I, I think he came across as very good, and I think he's he's there for the project. And I, and I think if you speak to a lot of Bromley fans, I know they're not on the ground. The results they've had, they've probably forgotten about Neil Smith, and maybe that's the beauty of footballers sometimes. Yeah, there was a question at the very end, actually, but unfortunately Andy lost a bit of signal where I asked him about the the lack of supporters uh, being able to get into to the stadium, and he said, you know. Hopefully they're enjoying what they're seeing when they're watching it remotely, but we can't wait to to see them. And, and I think it will give Bromley fans, when they are allowed back in, a, a real sense of excitement, I suppose, to go and see. Because, of course, they all love Neil Smith and Neil Smith did a fantastic job and Neil Smith remains a, a wonderful man. But Andy Woodman there has, has come across as, as as a really nice fellow and, and his experience is second to none. And I'll and I tell you what, Matt, I'm excited to see how he uses the contacts that he's got in the transfer market in the summer. Um, Because I think he's going to be able to get some great players in, but also he's using what he's got really well there. Michael Cheek is still banging the goals in, as Michael Cheek always does. But also, young Jude Arthur's getting more and more involved in the team's professional contract signed on Tuesday, marked it with a goal. And that's the sort of thing that that he wants to bring in. And and I, I just I, I get a really good feeling about Bromley, which we've had all the time over the past couple of years. But it almost feels like maybe they've gone up a notch by bringing in Andy Woodman. Yeah, uh, I said before, I think maybe Neil Smith couldn't take him to the next level. Maybe with Woodman and, and the, maybe the backroom staff he's got with Roger Johnson, they're just moving it to the next level from what they can. Again, I think it's great that Jude Arthur's. I think he was on loan at Lewis last season. So, you know, they've brought a player in. I think he was at Gillingham for a while. They're looking to bread that and, and, they'll, and they'll put experienced players with it and, and he'll only learn from, from that. So, yeah, I think it's, again, a lot, as we've said before, a lot of these transfers um, in the summer, what players people are really doing, you've got to look to see what they're doing. But I think Bromley, if they don't go up looking at their fixtures, you know, it's in their own hands still, the teams they've got to play. Um, if they miss out, I think there's growth in the club. I think and that's what it is with um, Andy Woodman. I think the fans can probably appreciate that. As I said, the king is dead with um, Neil Smith, but long live the king. Yeah, and obviously they, they don't have a game on Saturday, as they should have been down at Crabble. Uh, but on uh, on Monday, Hartlepool at home, and that is going to be a tough game for them against uh, against a side who are very much in with a shout of getting up to the, to the very top. Yeah, it's very tight at the top of the division. So, um, yeah, probably... You know, still level on places in the playoff position. So it's no disgrace to lose to Chesterfield after the results they've had um, uh, after beating Chesterfield. So, yeah, interesting time. I see a lot of games in the National League because of the COVID. A lot of teams are sort of playing back-to-back matches or very close matches. And you very rarely see both sides winning in those. So I think um, it must be quite difficult. You know, you think the games are coming up against Notts County. It's, it's in their own hands. 
if we can get players fit and everything like that, and players coming back, could be an interesting turn if they miss out. Don't think it's the end of the world, but they'll go again next season. Yeah, just to clarify, Bromley's, uh, Bromley's running. We did kind of touch on it last week. They've got Hartlepool this weekend. Uh, and then they have got to play current leaders Torquay away the following Saturday. Then they've got Wildstone away, which is obviously a, a slightly different kettle of fish mm-hmm. uh, from the others. Uh, and then they still have to go to Notts County, play Notts County at home. And they also have to take on Aldershot. It's, it's a tough run-in, but as you say, Matt, still in their own hands, even though Notts County are sinking down the table after a, uh, an absolutely dreadful run, Bromley are still in with a shout. And what is interesting as well, Matt, is I'm looking at the uh, at the league table. I've got it in front of me. And I didn't realise just how prolific goal scorers Bromley have been. 55 goals they've got in their 36 games. Only Halifax, Stockport and Torquay have scored more, which is impressive, isn't it? Yeah, well, you know... When I saw them four past day with the players they had in, that those goals always... don't count. That that that, no? that didn't happen. It was a figment of your imagination. Oh, Anything yeah, that happened that day didn't basis, happen. Going on the basis, they look like they're going to score goals. Right. Of, you know when you see it side, you think, oh, they're going to score goals with the players have got. Dover looked totally opposite, but that's that's a different thing. But they look, you know, with the players have got the providers and with Cheek. Cheek is a proven, proven goal scorer. He's level twenty goals a season, and. And the way they play and good aerial ability with Bush and people like that. Yeah, good to see. Always scoring goals. I think it'll be a little... I know he had a few clean sheets at his early start, Andy Woodman, but since then they've conceded a little bit, but maybe he'll be working on that as well. So, yeah, yeah, interesting times ahead. So, But again, a lot of the players, I think, probably there for next season as well because they were sort of tied down before he came in. So, yeah, could be a solid base for next season if it doesn't happen this season, but anything can happen once you get in those playoffs. Absolutely. And he did also say that he wants to play entertaining football. And going back to the whole goalkeeper thing, I, I do think as a goalkeeper, you can, you do see the game more widely because you're at the back and you're watching everything. If anything, you know, I would say, why would a goalkeeper necessarily be a worse choice for a manager than a striker? Because a striker tends to only see, I suppose, what's in front of him. Whereas the goalkeeper will have learned a lot and his coaching expertise is second to none. But it's great to hear that he wants to play good football and that that's what Bromley are currently doing. I suppose as a goalkeeper, and as he said in his interview there, that you probably got pigeonholed in. So basically, your job is to become a goalkeeper coach rather than thinking that. And maybe his decision to leave Arsenal and move away from that sort of regime is to say, right, now is my turn. He's learned his his thing. I'm sure he, he worked with other players and rather than just the goalkeepers. But, you know, he's highly qualified, given a chance. And from what I've seen so far... It's a very shrewd appointment by Bromley. Very surprising, as we thought, but very shrewd. Absolutely. And good luck to Andy for the rest of the season. We may we may be speaking to him again during the playoffs. Who knows? Uh, elsewhere in the National League, Dover Athletic have this week announced that they will be going back to being a part-time outfit next season. The club only went full-time in 2018 when Andy Hessenthaler was appointed manager. But following the uh, difficulties of the past 12 months, they're now set to go back to training two evenings a week, although Hessenthaler will be staying on as manager for the for next season. Uh, Matt, as a Dover Athletic fan, what, what are your thoughts on that? Not a surprise, is it? No, I think it was inevitable. I don't think Dover could say they would go, you know, stop the league and carry on full-time. Haven't got the resources to do that. Paying for the full-time training ground, paying full-time wages. You've just got to hope that, you know, Dover have more successful top 10 finishes all over the show with Chris Kinnear, who was part-time. So there are good part-time players out there, um, players you can pick up. 
and certain players maybe at the end of their career who just right starting going to university or train or doing something different and needing to earn some um, money as well on the side playing football. So yeah, it's you know Dover can't stand their laurels. Four months before the season, they should be preparing what they're going to do next season. I'm sure Andy Asatala, which we'll try and get on the show next week, is probably looking at players, talking to players. Um, like he would have been if it was a normal season. So, yeah, no surprise. Now the hard work starts for Dover. I think, Matt, that there is potential, actually, for Dover to to do well because there are players who don't want to be full-time footballers, who, who have got other business interests that they don't want to lose or other jobs that they don't want to lose. But being able to play at the highest level of non-league football has got to be a carrot for some of these players. I remember several years ago speaking to a player who, who, who joined Margate uh, and I said to him, oh, you, you know, you're, you're only 24, 25. You must like want to get back into the, into the full-time game. He said, do you know what? No, I don't. I, I've got a business. I, I enjoy doing my, my business as well. And I don't want to be going and taking a one-year contract up in Morecambe or somewhere just to be a professional footballer that move my family around and then at the end of that one-year contract be a free free agent again. So there is definitely a scope if you can get the right sort of player that, that you'll be able to, to bring in some good players. And obviously, we don't know what the budget will be, but you don't have to play as much to a part-time player as you would a full-time player. And, and I think there's real potential and the challenge at Dover obviously is going to be a big one but if you get the right sort of personalities in and I think by being part-time you might have a better chance of getting those right sort of personalities in to really want to upset the apple cart yeah I think that's Dover Dover have got to utilize that because everywhere they go people are going to be critical of them probably certain sides who if miss out at the top of the table and they miss out promotion by saying oh we played Dover and we beat them we should carry on that's by the by but yeah, I th- the thing is, he, he's got to... Last season was a very young side when they went full-time. didn't really work. So, for me, he's got to get the spine of it. He's got to get a quality keeper. That is absolutely... That should be his first job. A good, solid goalkeeper who could earn you points in this division. Um, who's been there. The, the goalkeeper position was a real problem last season. Get your spine sorted out, and then maybe other little bits can come together from that. It's going to be difficult, but... Reading between the lines, I think Jim Palmer seems pretty confident that at least the final, maybe some of the points could be uh, put in. But we won't know that till the middle of June, apparently. No, but I, I think the, the the scope is there uh, for Dover to. They've got to, to, they've got to do the homework now, John. They've got to right look at the. You know, I know Woking are going full time, so they might have some players and other players around. Um, but you know, there is players there. It's Chris Kinnear. You've got to have your contacts to see if you can sort it out. So and utilise the loan market if you can. Yeah, well, we will look forward to hearing Andy Hessenthaler's views uh, hopefully next week's show and then we will discuss a lot more. But uh, yeah, I think it's a sensible decision for Dover given everything that's gone on over the past year or so. Uh, and, I, you know, I wish them, them all good luck with it all. Uh, let's drop down a few divisions now then for our second interview of the week. A couple of weeks ago, we learned that plans are in place to promote teams from the scaffold on a two-season points-per-game basis, news which has severely upset some people outside the county. But thankfully, most in Kent seem fairly level-headed about it. 
That decision has now been ratified by the FA, so it's all systems go. Uh, the top three teams in the Scaffold Premier Division have been invited to apply for promotion, with Corinthian getting first dibs as long as every box is ticked with regards to ground grading and, and so on. Uh, but Sheppey and Chatham are waiting in the wings just in case. In the first division, though, Kennington, Holmesdale and Rustall have all been put forward for the three promotion places. For the latter, it will mean a return to the Premier Division after two non-completed seasons back at Step 6. The manager led them through. Out that is Jimmy Anderson. And I caught up with the Rustall manager to discuss all things about the club. Looking to be promoted into into the Prem, where we've wanted to be for the last two years, of obviously what's going on and stuff like that. That was our aim. Um, when I first come into the club, um, in the first season, obviously the club, the club wasn't doing that well. I come in over the Christmas period and then unfortunately we got relegated um, into the into the, the schedule one. Um, but yeah, like the, the news the last couple of weeks, obviously we're not, we're not a... Uh, jumping at it at the minute because until it's all completely signed off um it's still you don't know what the fa can pull out and and change their mind or whatever so so yeah so we are we are excited yeah i suppose it's a it's a funny way for for it to happen but i guess over the past two seasons you will certainly feel you deserve a shot at, at the scaffold prem again yeah yeah one 100 i do agree um from my point of view uh it's what we were hoping would happen but yeah, I can understand there'd be some teams disappointed in the way it has happened. Um, like like us, Kennington and um, Homestyle will, will be thinking the same thing. They wanted it to happen. Um, but yeah, we certainly feel like we deserve to, to be in the Prem uh, for what we've done on the pitch and off the pitch. So, so yeah. And, and just in general, I mean, obviously you took over club, you said it, it was tough and, and, and obviously you got relegated, but you, you've done well to, to build back up. Yeah, so obviously um, my, my philosophy is to, to play football out from the back, uh, have a young team, give people a chance. Um, and since I've been there, we, we obviously tried to do it, tried to save the club. Um, unfortunately, if I was probably there the whole season with the results we got in the, the back end of the first season I was there, um, we might have stayed up. Uh, you never know. And then since then, we've we've kind of put together a really good squad, a young squad, probably the average age of 22, something like that. Um, and, and yeah, we've got, we've made it a real family unit, like with the fans, we have unbelievable fans now, we have about 200, 200 plus every home game. Um, and it's, it's a great club to be at, uh, they've bought into what I want to do, so, so yeah, it's, it's going really well. And obviously, being in Tunbridge Wells or, or just on the outskirts of Tunbridge Wells, you, you've got a big rivalry that you'll be hoping to sort of renew next season. Yeah, uh, yeah, that, that that came like like everyone in the Prem. Like every game is going to be exciting, um, depending on obviously who goes up from the Prem. I think it'd be Corinthians, my old club, who I was there um, with the under twenty threes before um, Rustall. Sorry, um, so if. I don't know, the likes of Chatham playing them, that'd be fantastic. Tunbridge Wells will obviously be big. They're probably, I would be surprised if there's probably four or 500 fans there at both games. It, it'd be great. We played, I was fortunate enough to have the game um, when I first took over in the season. Like I said, we got relegated, but we beat them 2-1 away. And I think that was the first time Russell's ever beat them in the league. So it was it was great. It didn't, the club said to me um, at the time, do you know what you've achieved? And I, I don't... I didn't really understand it because I live in Alpington, so I'm not a local person. So, yeah, it was it's big for, for the club, obviously, because we're deemed the so-called smaller club, like you said, um, in the area. But I'd say now we're, we're on the up. We have fantastic support. We have a young squad. 
um, and we're growing each season. So yeah, it's it's really it's really good. You mentioned Corinthian there as well. I mean, it's obviously fantastic for, for them if they get promoted. And having been there yourself, you, you've seen the, the sort of hard work that, that goes in there. And I guess that's something that will inspire you. Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, it's a fantastic club. Um, there's fantastic people behind the scenes, as well as Michael and Sam with the first team management. Um, Tony Sitford, um, I learned so much off of him when I was there. He's he's one of the directors at the club. But, like, yeah, the way the way they... They hold themselves on and off the pitch. Their facilities, um, they truly deserve to, to 100% go up. And I, I have no doubt that they will they will do well in the league above as well. They have some great players. Um, I learned a lot when I was there. Um, and they gave me the chance to obviously um, develop as a manager and get the opportunity to manage at, at Rustle. So, yeah. How hard has it been for the club, not just the team, but the whole club with everything that's gone on in the past, what, 15 months or so? It's hard because, like, obviously, um, when the season was gone unavoided, we were we were winning games and, and the club were building, like, they were doing stuff behind the scenes for us to potentially go up uh, to step five. And, and then, obviously, the news of, of the pandemic and stuff like that and then the non-employed season it hit us it hit us hard because obviously we worked so hard we made a lot of memories that season that's what we kept on telling the boys like going into games it felt like we were going to a game and we, we we wouldn't get beat and and we were making memories each week we'd go to we went to Kennington and we were 1-0 down at half time and I just said to to the boys like this is what it's all about if you, if you want to be a top side you've got to you've got to make a memory now and we ended up beating them 2-1 and it just felt right and then obviously it was hard to accept an unemployed season and then it's similar to now like some clubs have gone back training some clubs haven't we haven't gone back because I kind of just said to the boys stay away for a minute like until we know what where we're playing um, I didn't see I'm one of the managers that I like training to be intense um, and I feel like when you train you have to be working towards something at the minute if you've got like the world's longest pre-season um, I don't feel like you're you're building towards anything. So we're, we're kind of hanging back. So last season when we only had eight games, um, it was a little bit like, uh, it's hard hard to get down. We, we had some fantastic pre-season games, but it was it didn't feel the same. And obviously, like you say, hopefully, fingers crossed, things do go our way um, this summer and we do get promoted because I feel if it happens again for the third season, it will be so hard for, for the club to accept player-wise. Um, the pitch, I would probably be biased, but I'd probably say we've got probably the best pitch um, at, at Division One, um, the best stadiums. Uh, so yeah, and then like they've done loads of work off the pitch as well. I've got the best media guy as well. Jamie um, does fantastic work and makes makes us all famous, I suppose, if you want to feel like that. So yeah, the club's going in the right direction. It would be um, so hard for for the club to accept it if we don't um, get what we deserve. We feel so yeah. How much work do you think you, you'll have to do on, on the playing squad if you do get promoted? <laughs> yeah, so obviously, um, unlike a normal season, I've had months and months to to think about um, one squad if, I suppose, if we if we go up, another squad if we stay where we are. Um, because you've got to consider as well, um, we don't we don't have a budget. Um I'm not saying we've, that might change. That might change next season. It might be something we need to to introduce at that level. I know a lot of clubs do have a budget, um, and I know that managers are talking to to players. I haven't 
started talking to players because I'm the most superstitious probably manager in the world that uh, I feel like if I start talking to players it will go all wrong so until actually it's all signed off I haven't started talking to players that that even includes my own my group our group chat is very quiet I explained to all the boys let's let's wait and see because um, like I said the last couple of seasons it's been oh yeah yeah we'll go back we'll start training for a few weeks and then we play a few games and then it'll be like stop start so I've just said to them look just just keep yourself fit um, and, and then we'll, we'll start talking once we, we know where we are. So, But yeah, like, like every manager, uh, every club, they will want to improve their squad. Um, the clubs obviously try and improve the, the playing surface, um, the facilities at the ground. So, so yeah, we'll, we're constantly trying to improve. And just finally, I suppose, you, you just if you do get promoted, you just want to have as, as good a season as you can next year and, and, and see where it takes you. Because I don't think there's a massive gap between Scaffold 1 at the top and, and the bottom of, Skeff, of the Scaffold Premier. Yeah, obviously, um, the aim would be to, to stay in the league uh, 100%. Um, when they've been up there before, uh, Russell have, have struggled in the past to stay up there, whether that's the players, uh, the management and stuff like that. They've, they've, stayed, they've struggled to stay up there. So the first aim would be to, to stay up there, um, find our feet, and then obviously um, try and push on as best we can. Um, I've, I truly believe, I know the current squad I've got, um, and I know the type of players I can bring in. Um, I suppose with or without budget, I know what players I can bring in. So I'm quietly confident that, that we will hold our own in the Prem. So, so yeah. It seems, Matt, they've done great on and off the pitch over the past couple of years. And it's good to see that they're likely to get a reward out of it, Matt. Yeah, I mentioned that when I was listening to that interview, I didn't actually know where Rustle was until you said about it being close to Sunbridge Wells. And from there, you know, he's taken it on board, worked disappointing first season. Not only playing six games, but he's worked hard over these two years and he thinks they deserve to be promoted and they're going to take it and look forward to go again. You know, the, again, the passion of these managers, you know, the work they must put in just, you know, to get players in and motivate him as well as their other jobs really hits home to me every time. What, what a great job it must be to do that sort of thing as a manager and the passion you must have for the game. But, and again, and it sounds like Russell in Tunbridge Wells it's going to be a cracking game next next season as well. What it means to Rustle and clearly Tunbridge Wells won't want their, uh, you know, the noisy neighbours upsetting them again. So really good stuff. And again, I'll look out for all these sides that, you know, when, when Corinthian go up, want to see how them do it. I hope they do well. And you want to see Rustle coming in and doing well as well and try and stop the big boys, the likes of the Chathams and the Sherpies as well. So good for the league and absolutely delight for Rustle. And again, the passion these managers have, you, you've got to hand it to them. Yeah, I thought he came across really well. Really, really nice chap there and, and trying to get everything across. And he's obviously learned his trade. He mentioned that he was at Corinthian for a while uh, himself. And he said, Rustle haven't got a playing budget or they didn't have this season, but he didn't know what was going to happen for next season. And that game with Tunbridge Wells, as you say, will be absolutely superb. You could you could hear how fondly he thought of that time when they went to the Colverden and won uh, when he was early in, in his role there and how he said he felt if they'd had the full season, he would have been able to keep them up. Uh, and, and that confidence is, is a good thing. And if you've got a manager who really believes in himself and his team, that's part of the battle, isn't it? Because you, you can hear his almost infectious personality and his infectious belief in how good his team can be and that's why it's so great that they have got that reward yeah again interesting about the budgets again John all oh, that might change doesn't work with the budget will they have to work with the budget going forward next season if they want to attract the players but I'm sure he's got players who, who he's worked with the last couple of seasons who want to 
give it a go in the top flight or the top flight of the scaffold and see what they can do. So, yes, interesting times ahead for them. It, we know, was there a whipping? There was a bit of a whipping boy last season, a couple of the league table now, but I'm sure they'll be if they're organised from where they should go. They're, they're going to be okay. So, and again, and another interesting point as well, like we said, certain teams are getting going, aren't they? Starting the really early pre-season. He's decided it against it so far, and I'm probably standing in his camp at the moment. You don't want to be playing a lot of pre-season games and you know being a little bit too ready for the season starts, if you know what I mean. So. Yeah, interesting to see what you said about that. Yes, of course, uh, last season you said about Whipping Boy, Tower Hamlets, uh, who removed the cross, ended up with uh, two points from their 13 games. So uh, they were the ones who will probably have the most uh, improving to do in that division. But I think it's great. No, they're not. But I think it's great that there is going to be a shake-up, obviously, uh, all being well for, for Corinthian, they will be promoted and then you're going to get three other teams in. There'll probably be some other uh, movement around because it was a 21-team division last season. So I'd imagine there will be some uh, moving and shifting around the scaffold Premier Division. But what I love about this league is, is teams can come in and, and do something with it. You know, we've we've seen Punjab have, have held their own just about and Wellingtown had a good start to last season. I mean, they lost their last few to end up 13th when it was all curtailed. But Ballam came into the league. We didn't know anything about them. They were sixth when it came to an end. And Tunbridge Wells almost reset under Richard Stiles and they were flying high. So the, the beauty of the scaffold is that it's wide open. And I'm I'm just really glad that we're going to get to see some new faces in that division. And obviously we won't find out for definite until I think it's the middle of May, who's going to be in what division. But we know that we're we're very lucky to have a high quality step five league within our patch. Yeah, very high quality. Um, and hopefully, um, yeah, hopefully we can get at least a good run on it and hopefully we can finish the season off and we can finally get that season doing and, the sides that do well get their reward like Corinthian have done. Okay. Yeah. And just finally on Russell as well, he said he's got the best social media manager around he has because uh, Jamie's been nominated for awards and all sorts and his, uh, his signing announcements are always pretty box office as well. And, and, and that's a massive thing for, for a club these days. I mean, you, they've got their detractors, I'm sure, but you look at hashtag United and, and how that's kind of, they've started as, a, as an internet thing and now they're turning into a, a, a half-decent team uh, in and around the, the, their leagues and, and working their way up through the pyramid. And and nowadays, that is part of it, isn't it? That that you have to have a presence that's not just for the people that are in and around you. You need to be making yourselves well-known. And Rustle have done that. Yeah, I would say that. Hopefully he pushes the podcast as well. Yeah, I think it's absolutely... In this day and age, you've got to make yourself known. And if you've got that little bit of X factor, if you're announcing little signings and little things... That make it, you know, people more aware of you. That's all you can ask for. And clearly, it's working. If they're getting two hundred people through the gates every, they're just fantastic at that level. So, good luck to them. And uh, yeah, I look forward to speaking to where the season goes on. And of course, doing such a great job, uh, the Rustall guys, that you didn't even know where Rustall was until uh, no, right, no, no. <laughs> earlier on today. Well, did you know where it was before you did? Yes, I've known for years because I used to work in a newspaper based in Tunbridge Wells. So. Yes, I, 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 I'm pretty aware of pretty much where all the clubs are in our patch. Uh, you know, it's, it's pretty basic, pretty much a, a basic test for... Uh, Sounds a nice place, Russell, but it's got a nice pub. I bet it has, yes. And maybe one day one day when life resumes as normal, we will be able to yeah, go and see do, it. We should do some trips to these games, yeah. We have Russell, yeah. Definitely. Russell. Yeah. What's their nickname? Do you know? The Rusties? 
I think they are the rustics. Oh, oh. It, it, it's it's yeah. I'm going to say it sounds quite middle class, Rustle, doesn't it? Yeah. It does. Uh, also, there may be some movement into uh, the Scaffold First Division as well. Uh, the FA are planning apparently to elevate around 30 clubs from Step Seven to Step Six, uh, and each Step Six league will be told how many spaces will need to be filled in their divisions. Uh, they will clear, consider clubs for upward movement from a list who have applied over the past two seasons, uh, and they will be done in order in this order of priority the first lot will be clubs who meet the required h grade and have floodlights uh the second lot and this is there was a typo in this clubs whose ground met met meet the required h grade except for floodlights but have proof of planning and funding for lights to be installed by the 31st of september uh, mm-hmm. and then also uh there the, the next priority will be clubs whose ground will, will meet the h grade and completion of works with the evidence of funding and contracts with work completed by the 31st of may and then finally, clubs um, who do not meet the H grade with no evidence or assuring of doing so by the 31st of May. Uh, if clubs are ranked equally on the above, above criteria, the leagues may, at their discretion, look at previous sporting performance from the last two seasons. Leagues can choose more than one club from any feeder league. So we will see uh, how that all pans out from the county league into the scaffold. Uh, as time goes by, I think we're going to be, it's going to be quite a while before it all comes through. Uh, but we will certainly be keeping an eye on matters in that front. And I've said it again. I'm excited that there's going to be some movement, not as much movement as there might have been, but there's going to be some movement. And that is a great thing as far as I'm concerned. Another news this week, Sheppard United have become the latest club to reveal they will be running a full time post 16 academy headed up by their striker Jack Midson and running partnership with Maidstone United. It seems these things are, are, are cropping up all over the place, Matt, but it shows the interest i suppose and and the belief in in youngsters in the area and and, and getting them involved in clubs we, we've seen ramsgate sittingbourne and now sheppey all getting involved and there's lots more all, all around the county and and it's great news that these clubs are able to offer, offer these opportunities well i think midson was part of um sunny moore probably a soccer school isn't it so it might be linked into that yeah i think you know not every of those 16 year old players will eventually come and pull on a sheppey shirt but it gives them a rounded education the clubs, of course, earn from it as well. Get a bit of money, get the puts them on the on the, on the list of places where the people get known and a bit of education, and their academies can uh, improve it from there. So yeah, I think it's the days of when I left school. All you had to do was go to a sixth form or whatever, but you can learn, improve your footballing skills as well as get an education, which I think is great. And I'm, and I'm sure all these clubs and Jack Midson's, if you're working under him. You're always going to learn a lot of people, and it's good to see Maystone getting involved as well. Yeah, and obviously we spoke to Jack Midson back at the start of this season. It feels like years ago, but I did speak to Jack Midson uh, for the podcast, and, and obviously a man who's very passionate about uh, football and, and, and youngsters coming through. So well, great yeah, that's how he did his that. career, didn't it? He? he came from non-league and built his way up, and I'm sure if he can get you know one person he's with all the time, you know one he's training with, playing the same career as him, he'd be absolutely delighted. Absolutely. Elsewhere, uh, Snodland Town uh, had a really nasty injury. They're playing a friendly uh, about 10 or 11 days ago uh, and their new signing, James West, picked up a really bad injury, a dislocated ankle, three breaks in his fibula and torn ligaments. He's undergone surgery. Uh, He's likely to be out of football for more than a year and he's also going to be out of work for quite a long time. 
Now, the club have said everyone at Snodland Town is here to support him in his recovery and they've set up a funding page which they hope will help him in the short term. Uh, if you check out their Twitter at Snodland Town FC, you will see uh, news of how to donate to that. Uh, awful for, for James for James West. And the difficulty is as well, Matt, th- these these teams are playing these friendlies and, and these things can happen. And I, 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 when I kind of saw about that, I kind of thought oh, it was all a bit unnecessary, isn't it? Because... It's not a pre-season friendly. It's just a keeping yourself fit friendly. And, and for poor James, it's turned into an absolute nightmare. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I agree with some of these games. I know it's nice to get players out. And I appreciate they haven't been playing since October or whatever it is. But yeah, unfortunately, there'll be more of these things that players get injured. And I mean, that's, that's a really bad injury there. And hopefully he, he, he can get back. But and again, it's, it's his working days as well, which will be an issue for him. So... Yeah, I don't know if I particularly agree with these friendlies. Maybe, you know, get get going in, in, the, in the summer as you would do normally. And maybe the players are a little bit, bit more hungry from that, if you can do that. Absolutely. Uh, not Kent news, this one. Uh, but Tony Russell has found a new club and it's taken him and Joe Vines to Lewis. Uh, not too far up the road from me. So I'll be sure to try and see them a couple of times during the season. Obviously, when they're playing teams from Kent. And of course, we wish them both well. Uh, someone was going to get do well uh, out of this uh, Cray Wanderers, Tony Russell situation. And it looks like Lewis, a club who've been higher in the pyramid, uh, have, have, have hit the jackpot. It, so it seems that they've said, you know, they, they believe they can get to step two and Tony Russell could well be the man to take them there. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see how many of the players come now. Who's because Lewis is a bit of a, bit of a trek. Well, I suppose from where they're based in the, well, they were pre- previous, not too bad, but I know Joe Taylor, he's based where I am down here. And a trip to Lewis could be a bit of a trip. Maybe some other clubs will be interested in him after going what and see again. Look, see who, if if a lot of those players follow him. Then they're interesting times ahead. It's about forty miles from Hayes Lane down to, down to Lewis, uh, hour and a quarter's drive. So you know, if those players do want to uh, get themselves sort of in in the way of doing it, then it's, it is an opportunity for them. And uh, you know, they're a, a club that has done so many great things as well. You know, they play their men's and women's teams equally. And they've made a big thing about that big community club as well. So, yeah, you know, they're a bit of a sleeping giant where, where they've been the last couple of years in the Isthmian League, I think. Uh, a good opportunity for, for Tony Ross. I think he's probably a good fit uh, for Lewis as they are. Um, but, you know, it's just a shame for us that he's not in Kent because we've really enjoyed following how they've got on. But we will obviously keep a very clean eye, won't we? Yeah, no, I've never been to Lewis's ground. It's been. supposed to be lovely. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Everybody says he raves about it. But I've never, uh, never been there. So, um, well, again, maybe... Maybe our trek around the southeast, John. We could find one of the places to go there one day. But yeah, good luck to Tony Russell with the with the job there. And I'm sure a lot of uh, yeah people will be pumping on them to get promoted now with him in charge. Yeah, I, I, funny enough, I know somebody lives about 20 minutes away from Lewis, so uh, maybe we should visit them at some point. Yeah, yeah we could do. Oh, oh, is that you? Is it? Yeah, not far. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, well, I'm sure we should meet up at some point, John. So uh, yeah, definitely. Well, the ground's not the ground's not far from the so. station as well, so uh, that should be good. So uh, yeah, but I'm definitely going to pop up there at some point uh, and catch up with with, with whoever they're playing, probably because it'll either be Margate Cray uh, or Folkestone, I would imagine. But uh, yeah, it'd be nice to 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 see Tony and and as I say, I hope I hope they do well. But obviously, we hope that our Kent teams fill the top three spots in that division next season. Uh, elsewhere in that division. Josh Vincent will be staying at Folkestone Invicta. 
Uh, it's been announced earlier today. Uh, but Adam Ramadan has left the club. So uh, a few changes going on there. We've seen them sign Kieran McCann and uh, Neil Cugley certainly will know what he's doing and be building a good squad there, I am sure. Uh, Cray Valley PM have signed goalkeeper Chris Lewington from Maidstone United. I think that's quite the capture uh, for the Isthmian League Southeast team. Matt, uh, still a fairly young man, Chris Lewington, a very experienced goalkeeper. And, and I think that's a, a really shrewd move uh, from Kevin Watson at Cray Valley. Yeah, because I think um, Andy Walker, we, we saw, um, you know, the, the Vars, you know, very, you know, he was very influential when they got into that final. I think they said he's moved on. Maybe he's looking for a club or he may retire. But Chris Lewington, yeah, you know, started last season as number one at Maidstone and, you know, did well at Dover. Interesting leaving Maidstone. Where did Maidstone go from there? I think Lee Wargan's still available. They had the guy, Raven Constable, I think it was before. So, May have been pretty quiet as well. See what they're doing with players. But yeah, Lewington, a solid, decent goalkeeper at that level. Well, yeah. Level above, to be fair. I remember seeing him uh, when he was in his Margate days because he was at Margate for a little while. Saved a, a last-minute penalty to earn them three points as, uh, in one game. And, and you know, he, he just always looked a, a really solid goalkeeper. And I think Cray Valley PM have, have, have done well there because, we, as we were saying about Dover, getting a good, solid goalkeeper is, is part of the battle. And uh, I think they they ticked the box there. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I think I'm getting more and more thing that goalkeeper is one of the most important positions. And they've gone from Andy Walker, who was brilliant for them, and got Chris Lewington, you know, early 30s maybe. He could even do even better for them as well. You know, for the next few years, he could be the, he could be their number one. Absolutely. And of course, goalkeepers have been quite the topic of conversation uh, on this week's show. Uh, Also, just finally, the fixtures for the post-lockdown friendly tournament have been revealed. Uh, The tournament starts on Tuesday, the 18th of May. Date for your diaries. Uh, All being well, supporters will be allowed into these games. The first two games on that Tuesday night, Sheffield United against Punjab United at Chatham's Boval Stadium and Ross United against Chatham Town at the Reed Court Road uh, Stadium. And then on Saturday... The 22nd, uh, Chatham will host Punjab at 1.30 kickoff. And then at 3pm on that day, Lords would enter the competition for the first time. They will play Sheppey United. All the fixtures are available on Twitter. Uh, we retweeted them. All the clubs have tweeted them out as well. Uh, the standout fixture is probably the one that people will be looking at the most. That takes place on Saturday, the 29th of May at three o'clock uh, when Chatham meets Sheppey at the Boville Stadium. The return game also at that stadium will be played on Tuesday, the 8th of June, at uh, 7.45pm. And the final will be played on Tuesday, the 22nd of June, at uh, 7.45pm, once all of the group has been done. Uh, that final is on the same night as England play the Czech Republic in their final group game. Uh, of the uh, Euro 2020. So uh, be interesting to see what well, a big night of football that one, uh, Tuesday the 22nd of June. And, and by the I would imagine, Matt, that will be pretty much the last knockings for this season's podcasts. We're going into the middle of June as well. Well, we've got to, if you're going to sponsor a tournament, oh, mate, yeah, so you've got to right. cover it, haven't you? Yeah, we, yeah we, we probably should cover it. Yeah, but I'd love, love, nice to see our logo on there as well, John. Yes, very nice. Yeah, they've uh, they've all got involved in it. So uh, yeah, really pleased. And we have uh, got a trophy. We've got we we found an old trophy, didn't we? Well, we not necessarily found an old trophy. We ha- we had a, a trophy made uh, for us in our uh, under our previous sponsors, Workforce Dimensions Limited, uh, and Sam at Workforce Dimensions Limited uh, did say to me. Uh, he's had a lot going on, but he did say to me, the trophy's ours uh, when we want to get hold of it. And I remember he'd sent me the tro- a picture of the trophy and, it, and it's quite grand. Uh, and he has said that, yes, we, we are more than welcome to, to get, our, get our mitts on it. So that trophy 
will be up for grabs uh, in the post-lockdown friendly tournament. And uh, yeah, we're very excited. And hopefully uh, we'll be able to be there to, to see it handed over. So um, yeah, that, yeah. yeah, fantastic, uh, fantastic news for everyone, really. And uh, I'm really looking forward to this tournament. So we'll see how it all plays out over the next, uh, well, hopefully it'll all be starting in about three weeks time and we'll see how it all plans out from there. But uh, yeah, great news uh, that, that that's going ahead. And, and we are, as I, as I said last week, we're delighted to be involved in this. So uh, yeah, really, really looking forward to seeing how it all plays out. Uh, Matt, that's uh, all the football chat. Uh, we've talked about your dogging friends. We've talked about me being away a bit. Anything else going on? You, you said you've had a few incidents this week. Are they podcast friendly or are you just going to bang your head against the wall quietly? Just, just standard kids, annoying things. Sort of thing. um, no, 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 it's just, you know, just one of those crazy days like a week. Um, so, yeah, just standard stuff, mate, really, you know. Getting yeah. So, yeah, still we're, um, we're in lockdown and we're not in lockdown sort of thing, so... We got wandering around, but we're still avoiding places and shopping and not that we went to the pub anyway. So it's just sort of, sort of in no man's land. But probably even more for you when you think your business is about to open soon, but you're still a bit more way away. Yeah, I mean, we're starting to get some of the rooms back together. We had a lot of uh, decorating done uh, during the past uh, couple of months. So we've, we've started putting the rooms back together and putting the curtains back up and everything like that. So we haven't rushed doing any of that because we thought, well, what's the point? Uh, but we are starting to get ourselves all up together. We've got just under three weeks now uh, until our doors reopen. Uh, I've got plenty of stuff going on away from that as well. But we had a we, we went away. So we, we're taking advantage of the fact that self-catering uh, properties are open. Uh, so we took advantage of that and we went up to the northeast uh, for four days last weekend. Uh, it was absolutely fantastic, to be honest. We had a lovely... Uh, lovely cottage that was in the middle of nowhere so it was quite nice just got up in the morning and just went outside and there was wildlife everywhere cows and a horse and sheep and there was just rolling fields for miles and miles and miles we were right in the north of the Yorkshire Dales and it was just so peaceful and I'd get up in the morning um, and just go outside and sit and read outside with a with a drink in the morning like a nice cup of tea and I had magazines and books and stuff and I just sat there and I just really really enjoyed being there and, and being away from everything and a change of scenery was just absolutely fantastic and of course uh, got to see people that we know up in the northeast which was great and we went out we went to a pub as well uh, cool. in, a, in a village uh, and had a meal outside and it was the best pub meal I've ever had uh, so it, it wasn't warm no but we had coats on and you know we knew it was going to be chilly so we had a lovely time and uh, yeah it was, it was just great to get away you know and and you know, just see somewhere different because uh, we know once everywhere else is allowed to be open, we are absolutely chocker. So we're going to be busy every single day from the 17th of May up until, well, up until September. But we're going to be busy for the foreseeable future. So we've got to make the most of all this. We've got to enjoy our lions at the moment and just get ready to go. So, uh, yeah, good stuff. Good. No, no, it's, I think, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, People like you, the 17th is such a, such a good date. So, you know, I, I'm sure the sun's going to shine that week that, that week there. But um, I'm really well, of course, it's terrible until then. So hopefully. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, no, no. Yeah. You, 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 we're, I think we're finally getting close to the end of this in some ways, you know, after we've had my jab. And hopefully you probably can have your jab too, can you? Well, they're only at 42s, mate. Uh, although uh, I have actually been 
at the vaccination centre this afternoon at about 20 past four because someone who lives with me uh, has had their second jab. And I kind of jokingly said to her, see if they've got any spares. Um, But she didn't. So, uh, I mean, I'd have quite happily jumped the queue, to be honest, because it was getting towards the end of the day. If they had some spare, I'd have have been there. But in Eastbourne, they are hammering through it. And it was amazing because uh, she only got the letter. uh, She only got the text today at two o'clock to say, we're now taking appointments for your second jab. And she she could have had it at three o'clock that afternoon. So they are moving it around really quickly. Yeah, so yeah, exactly. as soon as they can open it up to people uh, under 40, I will get the text and I'll probably be able to do it on the same day. So that's oh, great. great. Really good. That's really good. So from that. I haven't been watching. We watched Too Close. Did you watch that one? Yeah, it was all right. When it, you know where that was filmed, don't you? Part of it. No. You know the bridge that she drove off? Oh, yeah. I want to know where that was. Did you? Yeah. My wife asked about that. Sheppy. Really? It was. It's the old Kings Ferry Bridge. The uh, ah. the 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 because the, there's two. There's the new one that goes over that doesn't have to go up and down, and that is the one that until about 15 years ago that was the only bridge on and off the island. Uh, so if a boat was coming through, you just had a long wait. But yeah, so that was uh, that was filmed in Sheppey. Oh, was that the one that they sort of closed it for a few week evenings, a couple of weeks, months ago? It must have been, I suppose. Mm. Oh, well, I never knew that. Well, that's interesting. So, oh well. We wanted to know where that was. Yeah, it wasn't too bad, but... Um, we could go for a day out to see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know it was that. That's interesting. So You learn something every day. But apart from that, we're probably watching much. No, I've fallen asleep a lot. <laughs> but eight, hour past eight, falling asleep. So, what's the time now? Ten to nine. Oh, um, catch up past your bedtime. Yes. I'll probably watch the football, then I'll go to bed. Because the wife's gone out to see one of her friends. So. Oh, she. So, you're in charge of the, uh, of the children as well. Big responsibility. Well, as you said, they seem to have lost the dog and it's gone outside. So, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. there you go. Uh, well, that seems like a, a, as good a time as any to to let Matt Gerard be and enjoy the rest of his uh, of his ruined Wednesday evening. So, yeah. thank you everybody for listening to this week's show. Don't forget you can find us on Twitter at Kent NL Podcast. You can also find us on Facebook if you search for Kent Only Podcast. I'm at John Phipps eighty one. Uh, Matt is at Matthew underscore Gerard, both on Twitter. Uh, interestingly, of course, over the weekend, there will be a blackout uh, of from all football clubs uh, up and down the land, it seems, uh, to protest against the uh, the level of abuse that is being directed at footballers uh, and other people on the social media platforms. And, and we will be taking part of that. The, the Kent Only podcast will not be tweeting or posting on Facebook. Uh, over the weekend um, because uh, you know it, it is important that someone takes a stand against this and and you know we are very small fry in, in the scheme of all this but I think it's important uh, that we get involved as well uh, thank you very much to Andy Woodman and to Jimmy Anderson for their time this week uh, really really enjoyed both of those chats nice to get a couple of debutants on the show uh, as well and learn a little bit about Rustall and 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 the inner workings of, of a goalkeeper turned manager uh, so that was really really good and I hope everybody's enjoyed this show and we will speak to you all next week on the Kent Only podcast and I will never say a goalkeeper does not make a good manager again <laughs>